You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast with me, Matt Ketchell, football editor, Chronicle Live. This is the view from the opposition, coming from the Etihad Stadium, courtesy of the Manchester Evening News' Alex Brullerton, who is their Man City fan brand writer. Alex, welcome to the show. Really appreciate you doing this today and what has been a tough week at Manchester City. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me on, Matt. It it has been a bit of a tough week uh, for Manchester City, so I think I can uh, speak for all City fans. Where we're quite looking forward to, you know, putting this behind us, getting back to the Premier League action. And and obviously, yeah, that's a game against Newcastle on the, on Sunday at the Etihad. So uh, hopefully it's a positive result for us and we can and we can put that midweek uh, heartache behind us. Mm, let's see. Let's see. I don't know if our listeners would, would were hoping for, for a Man City win, but we, we'll see. There's probably a lot more on the line for, for City fans and Newcastle fans. This show is obviously our attempt to spy into the Man City camp ahead of Sunday. It's a 4.30pm kickoff. All 3,000 away section tickets have been sold. I'm going to be there in level three as I'm going to Manchester for my stag do this weekend. So so wish me luck for that one. Alex, Man City, of course, they crashed out of the Champions League in dramatic fashion midweek. Two goals ahead on aggregate in the Bernabeu on Wednesday after 90 minutes. Yet they conceded two in injury time, then a penalty in extra time. Obviously, devastating experience for the fans, for the club. What's the mood like on Manchester in the City camp now that the dust settled? I mean, I think as you could probably imagine, the the mood's pretty pretty low at the minute. Um, it's just sort of seems that with City, there's always another way to to kind of not win the Champions League. Obviously, the last couple of seasons they've got a lot closer than they had before, but it it just seems to be a thing that just keeps happening. And one year it might be that Guardiola's made a bit of a tactical error, and that's caused it, or it's been individual mistakes. And and now this time you've got a bit of a mixture of individual mistakes and just Real Madrid being Real Madrid and City maybe not finishing the job when they should have done. And then uh, Real Madrid's just incredible ability just to to not know when they're beaten and just to fight till the very last second. And uh, and yeah, just strange things happen with Real Madrid in the Champions League. But as you could probably imagine, the mood isn't the best, but um, I guess the positive you could see is that City have been in this situation before. Uh, most of these players have suffered pretty sort of gut-wrenching results in the Champions League. You just have to think three years ago against Tottenham. Um, obviously, it was in the quarterfinals as opposed to the semifinals. But yeah, the last-minute uh, VAR decision um, stopped City from progressing. And they came out of that. A few days later, they had a game at home and they went on a... on a Well, they won their last four games and won the Premier League. Uh, so it's quite a similar situation to what they find themselves in now. If they do that again, win their last four games then they will be Premier League champions. So I think the mood isn't great. Obviously, Guardiola said today that he's not spoken to his players uh, since Wednesday night, which, again, was what happened three years ago. He didn't speak to them between losing to Tottenham and then beating them in the league a few days later. Um, so I, I kind of expect that, you know, this isn't going to... It shouldn't impact them too much. And if they do drop points against Newcastle or, uh, and, or like Wolves or Aston Villa or West Ham, I don't think it'll be, you know... Uh, sort of an implosion on City's part, or because 
any of those teams have deserved it. Um, so yeah, Mood's probably not great, but I think there shouldn't be too much worry from from a City perspective going into the game. Okay, that's, that's that's interesting. We'll talk about Pep in a bit more detail later in the episode, but he, he hasn't spoken to the players since since Wednesday. No, that, that's that's, um, that's that's amazing. Like no no words need to be spoken. That they know what they need to do on Sunday. Yeah, that's what he said. Um, he's not spoken to the players. He said we'll speak tomorrow. Um, okay, and I mean it's in a way you can kind of understand it because like what what is there to say? It's um, I mean I, I don't know what's happened at training today or or like. I think when he says he's not spoken, he's obviously still been in, involved in training, but you know, not they've not had a sort of a big group, you know, dressing down or motivational talk or anything. As I said, the city players have been here before. Um, there's probably not much that Guardiola can say, you know, to, to sort of how how do you address address a group of players that were less than sixty seconds plus injury time from the Champions League final? Oh, don't worry, lads, like we'll go again because they know that they're professional players. They've been there before. Um, this isn't really a new feeling, so I can kind of see why Pep hasn't done any of that. And and he said they'll they'll speak tomorrow, and obviously he'll he'll deliver his game plans and and his research he's done on Newcastle. Um, that'll be tomorrow uh, ahead of the game on Sunday. So um, I don't think it's massively surprising. Uh, perhaps it probably is for for for, for um, sort of Newcastle fans perhaps that don't know that Guardiola's done this before, but um, this is just how he operates really after kind of devastating results. So. Um, from a city point of view, it's probably not too concerning. Mm-hmm. Fair enough, fair enough. So, all all the stakes are on on the Premier League now. Four games left for City. Obviously, the cliche: four cup finals, win them all, City win the league. There's Newcastle on Sunday, then Wolves away, then they have West Ham away, and then Aston Villa at home. Obviously, managers famously take things a game at a time, a game at a time. But being honest, Alex, where does Newcastle rank in in your list of concern when it comes to those final games? I think it's probably, yeah, I think it's it's going to be a tough test, I think. And as I said, I've, I know I've just said that sort of mentally the players shouldn't be too affected by the Real Madrid uh, result in the sense that they have come back and put pushed things to one side and, um, and got on with Premier League matches after Champions League disappointments. But I think this will be tough in terms of how physically draining uh, the Real Madrid game was. Obviously, they played um, 120 minutes in Madrid, so physically, the City players aren't going to be at the top of in the sort of best shape possible. And then thinking ahead, they've got like it's three days later, we've got Wolves at home, so I guess that will be playing on on Guardiola's mind as well. Um, I'd say I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't say that the Newcastle game is going to be the toughest. I know you're in some good form at the minute. I think it's before. Obviously, you lost to Liverpool last weekend but was it three or four wins on the on the spin before that I think so obviously more than that I was I think it was near a half a dozen but yeah the, the Liverpool uh, yeah. game ruined ruined the run yeah obviously Eddie Howe's done an incredible job um in the last sort of few months and he's it's pretty remarkable really how, how he's turned things around turned things around um but I do think that uh potentially I think that the I mean yeah last game of the season uh Obviously, when Aston Villa come to the Etihad, that's going to be the one where it's the pressure is really on. If if we're still in this same situation, sort of one point ahead of Liverpool, mm. uh, but I think there are a lot of weapons that Newcastle have got that City are really going to have to sort of stay switched onto. Um, uh, obviously, they've scored quite a few goals in the last few games. Newcastle, um, completely different uh, proposition to when when the teams met at, at the Etihad. So, uh, sorry, at St James's Park. So it's. Uh, 
yeah, I wouldn't say it's the toughest of the last four, but I think it's 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 definitely going to be a tough one. Fair enough, fair enough. We're recording this episode on the Friday before the game, and both managers addressed the press today in their pre-game press conferences. Pep said City will go into the game thinking about the pain of the semi-final Champions League loss. Did he have anything else to say about Newcastle? He famously doesn't give a lot away in his his addresses to the media, but I'm interested in sort of what his demeanour was and anything specifically he might have said about Eddie Howe or any Newcastle players. Uh, He he didn't actually get any um, questions in the uh, open section of the press conference about about the Newcastle game, so I can't actually tell you anything. Yeah, fair uh, enough. Yeah, they, um, no, it was all as you as you might, I guess, appreciate. It was all very about the Real Madrid game, how how City going to respond, the mentality, um, and unusually for Pep Guardiola, he he sort of he can be quite spiky with questions, and it happened a few times where uh, I think there's questions about uh, does this make you hungrier for the Newcastle game, and it's a very short answer. It's like I'm always hungry, I'm starving. He said. And then on his own accord, he sort of launched into into fairly long monologues about um, how he doesn't agree with, you know, the talk of how City have failed because they haven't won the Champions League again or the fact that his players don't have character or weak mentality. Um, And it was quite sort of, uh, he was very passionate really about defending his players and he'll he says that he'll never judge them um, they're capable of doing that themselves so he didn't really say much specifically about Newcastle or Eddie Howe or the remarkable turnaround that's happened at Newcastle but um, it's fair to say that he's he's looking forward, he's looking to the future um, and I think you'd probably say he's pretty confident that his City players will be able to sort of get back to a high level um, despite the sort of the stress and the trauma of midweek mm. It's in City's hands, I guess. So that, that that's something tangible to to hold on to. In in terms of personnel, then you obviously mentioned it was a physically draining night, 120 minutes in in the Bernabeu. Obviously, emotionally draining as well. I was I would imagine. How do you expect City to line up on Sunday? Who who's injured? Who might be rested? Who might come in? There's obviously 25 incredible players to choose from in that uh, City squad. Pep is famously the scourge of fantasy football managers, dropping his best players when we least expect it. Any predictions as to who might make the lineup? Yeah, I think it'll be. I, I don't think we'll see many sort of changes. I've, I guess in in recent times we have seen, or say after after the Atletico Madrid game um, a couple of weeks ago. Obviously, then we saw that FA Cup semi final against Liverpool wholesale changes from Guardiola um, because he just had to prioritise certain games for fitness issues and whatnot. Uh, but I don't think we'll see that. I think now that we're in this final stage, there's only four games left unless someone is injured or just really can't play, really isn't up to it or doesn't perform well in training, I think we'll just see pretty strong lineups with not too much rotation. Um, I, maybe one player that could come in, I think maybe we might see Jack Grealish uh, because I, I there's been criticism of the fact that he had those two chances just before Real Madrid scored. But I mean, I thought he was pretty good. He came on. He um he did sort of terrorise that the right side of Real Madrid's defence in that sort of last ten minutes before the collapse, um, and I think that was a performance that kind of you know showed that yeah next season we can probably expect a lot more from him in terms of his attacking output, which hasn't always been there this season. Um, and I think it, Guardiola would want him to build on that confidence that he might have got from that that short cameo at the end. Um, so we could see Jack Grealish come to the team, I think, but. 
apart from that, there isn't too much, too many options in defence. Obviously, Kyle Walker looks like he's, he could be done for the rest of the season, potentially. It, it, it did look quite bad, his ankle. Um, which he obviously wasn't fully recovered, but City needed him and they got a good 70 minutes out of him. Um, so, defence is probably going to be, you know, Cancelo, Diaz, Laporte, uh, probably Zinchenko at left back. Um, pretty sure Rodri will play. Um, I guess it is just up front that will. Oh yeah, De Bruyne. De Bruyne's um, fit as well. Uh, glad it was confirmed that that wasn't a, an injury. Uh, why he was substituted is just a tactical decision. So uh, he could play, I think. Um, and yeah, and then it's just you're left with the roulette of who's going to play in the front three because we know the Guardiola loves up a lot. Uh, I'd be surprised if Gabriel Jesus doesn't doesn't start in the form that he's been in. Maybe Grealish on the left and maybe Foden in the middle if he's if he's uh, got the got the energy and he's not picked up any knocks. But yeah, it's uh, yeah. Pretty <laughs> yeah, yeah, not not bad, not bad at all. It's interesting because Newcastle have played Liverpool last week and now City this week. The two sort of in vogue teams, the, the two teams everyone's talking about. Liverpool actually rested Trent, Salah and Thiago, but I guess they had the Champions League in mind. Now that's you know off the table for City. They've just got to go for it, having the best team possible. Um, so yeah, it would it would make sense for them to to really go for it. Um, I'm going to ask you a really difficult question now, Alex, and and that is, what are Man City's weaknesses? Uh, they, they lost just they've only lost. Correct me if I'm wrong. At home to Spurs and Palace this season, uh, they're the only two teams that have beaten Man yeah. City at home. Any clues from from those games, or were they just sort of anomalies? Um, did they those two teams set up differently at all when when they came? Ah, uh, yeah, but it's tricky ones, really. I guess the Palace game. Earlier in the season, that was September, October, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, City really struggled with their build-up, uh, build-up from the back, which we know is, I think everyone knows by now that, you know, it's a massive part of Guardiola's sort of setup at City is how how the defence and the goalkeeper progress the ball from the back. And he's always said a few times when City haven't played well that the build-up wasn't right or, or that kind of thing. Um, so I guess a potential weakness... And sometimes we've seen it in other games against uh, Liverpool in, in the FA Cup semi-final recently that if a team does go after City's uh, centre-backs and doesn't really give them time to either play out or they block the channels, so blocking the routes to Rodri in that defensive midfield role or blocking the routes out to the full-backs, then City can make errors or give the ball away. And obviously that can afford chances to the team. So I guess... That is one way. I'm not. I can't pretend that I know, or I don't. I don't really know how well Newcastle are equipped to play that way because obviously they're they're not Liverpool. They don't have the the insane sort of ability to press like Liverpool do, and few teams do to be fair. But that is one way that City can be vulnerable. Um, and I guess we saw in that Spurs game back in February that um, sometimes you know if there's a sort of a physical sort of you know, aerial striker in the box. City can on occasionally be susceptible to that. Um, that game was a bit of an anomaly in the sense that there were just quite a lot of individual mistakes. Um, Ruben Diaz and uh, didn't really cover himself in glory that game. Uh, Kyle Walker um, as well, but obviously he's not probably going to be available on Sunday. Um, one potential area that could be a bit of a risk is that, uh, or, well, not a a risk for City, but potentially a way in for Newcastle is that uh, Joao Cancelo will probably be playing at right back. Uh, and he does have a slight tendency sometimes to switch off. Um, particularly, he doesn't seem to do it when he plays on the left, but whenever he replaces Walk on the right, that's something that can happen. 
And I think we saw it with um, Rodrigo's first goal in the Real Madrid game. The ball came over. Cancelo kind of did, leave Benz, did let Benzema drift away from him and turned and kind of... It looked like he thought the ball was going to go out and obviously Benzema cushions it across goal and Rodrigo stabs, stabs it in. So perhaps Newcastle could sort of target, you know, diagonal balls over to that side of the box. But again, it's not like he's doing this every time. It's just from time to time it is noticeable. He does tend to have a, a lapse maybe once every few games. So I don't know, maybe he's used up his lapse for the, for this week. I, uh, I hope from my perspective that he has. But I, I mean, there's not... I can't sit here and say there's lots of weaknesses that City have, but these are just the sort of the the minute things that Newcastle might might look to exploit. Yeah, no, that's very interesting. Di- diagonal balls. We've got two players who like to play diagonals in, in Bruno Grimeris and John Joe Shelby, and pressing the channels and, and pressing the centre backs is something Newcastle did quite well. At Stamford Bridge, I thought um, Murphy Wood and Almiron played up front in the three that day. Um, how well Newcastle could press with Alan at maximum in the team is interesting, but maybe maybe Eddie Howe will, will drop at maximum. Let's let's see. He's been he's been in the press this week controversially. Maybe he'll be he'll be rested. So interesting there, diagonals and, and and pressing. If Newcastle can can do that, it could be an interesting afternoon. On the subject of that sort of team selection from a Newcastle perspective, is there any Newcastle players you admire or are particularly worried about? There's five new faces since Newcastle played Man City in the league. Um Interested to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think the obvious one is is Bruno Guimaraes. Um I mean, he's been pretty incredible, hasn't he, since he since he came in. And um, yeah, I've actually got a friend who's a, a Newcastle fan, and he's sort of been waxing lyrical about him recently. Um, just he's a, seems to be one of those rare players that can sort of do it all in midfield. Um, I don't know if you'd really describe him as a as a box to box. I'm not sure. I've not really seen enough to probably properly like sort of analyze his game but i mean he's been scoring goals he's obviously a threat going forwards but then i get the impression he's a he's a really hard worker and isn't going to be afraid to sort of you know muck in at the back because i mean you'll you'll probably admit city you're going to have a lot of the ball as they always do at home and newcastle are going to have to dig deep at times um and with a player like bruno and and the leadership that he brings and on obviously the 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 really, really good technical quality. I think he's a player that City are going to have to look out for, both in terms of when they're, they're working out how to try and break Newcastle down, but also, um, you know, Newcastle are going to have attacks. They're a completely different team to the one that we saw in the first half of the season. Um, so they're probably going to, I'd say that you're going to carry more of a threat for sure. So I think Bruno is definitely the, definitely the player to watch, uh, to sort of worry about from a City perspective. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I mean, it, it's interesting you you question whether is he is he box to box. I think Newcastle signed him as a sort of CDM, a deep lying CDM, who would sort of be the quarterback. But he he's he's been box to box to be honest with you. He, he ran 80, 80 odd yards to score the winner against Leicester in the la, in the last minute, and he scored four goals and he didn't score at Leon. So they've he's just added goals to his game as well. So a bit of everything. So yeah, from a City perspective, look out look out for Bruno and hopefully. He uh, he uh, has a good game on on Sunday. Um, any advice, Alex, for um, for, for travelling Newcastle fans to, in terms of like where to go beforehand, travel tips, anything like that? I know City put a lot of effort into the su- supporter experience around stadiums before games, don't they? That's something Newcastle might learn from uh, going forward with the new ownership. Uh, yeah, advice for Newcastle fans. Um, I mean, yeah, that there is. A, I, don't, I don't know what the situation will be like with, in terms of um, segregation. You know, like before the match, I imagine 
they probably won't be Newcastle fans might not be freely sort of able to mingle with a there's like a city fan zone uh that's got things sort of before the game so but if that is the case I'd say if you want into you know have a have a drink have something to eat for the game stay in the center of Manchester because there isn't an awful lot uh around the Etihad Stadium uh so yeah Northern Quarter in Manchester maybe Ancoats or, or anywhere in the city center really it's uh Piccadilly Station's about half an hour walk to the Etihad. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a lot more easy to get to the stadium uh, from the centre of town than, than Old Trafford is. So you could maybe get there a few years, a few hours early, enjoy Manchester, enjoy the sights, uh, have a good time and then walk up to the stadium before the game. Um, yeah, I think that's probably the main advice. Don't get to the ground too early because there isn't an awful lot in uh, in the sort of the, the bit of Manchester where the, where the stadium is. So just stay in the city centre. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. This weekend, Alex Marks, it's seven months since Newcastle were taken over. I was wondering, how do you think Newcastle's new owners have, have started their rebuild, given that Man City is probably the blueprint for how you turn a sleeping giant into a top-tier European club? Yeah, I think um, I think they've gone around it, they've gone about it in quite a sensible way, actually. Um, obviously, they made waves with the signing of Bruno, because that was quite a big signing, and I think probably like not with no disrespect to Newcastle I think some supporters were surprised that perhaps he went there because you know it was being linked to to teams that are already in the Champions League and the Europa League and, and such um but obviously he's seen the sort of the value of the project and he's wanted to go but then in their other signings I think they haven't sort of fallen into the trap that sometimes newly moneyed teams come into which is they just try and you know go after superstars that are already playing in say the Champions League or they don't go out and sign a whole new squad they've gone and bought guys who know even know the Premier League so you've got guys like Kieran Trippier Dan Byrne um, who you know are going to contribute something and perhaps address an area of the team that needed work so the defence um and they have made a, a sort of marked improvement. I know Trippier's missed quite a lot of games through injury, but when he has played, he's looked like he's looked absolutely quality, to be fair. Um, and then I think, yeah, I think they've just been quite sensible. They've not gone and spent ridiculous amounts of money straight away. They know that it's, you know, it's a sustain, it's got to be a sustainable kind of growth, if that makes sense. Um, and I think that was kind of what we saw from City all those years ago. Obviously, there was the stories of City trying to sign, you know, like Ronaldinho and these kind of Kaka. And and yes, they did go and buy Robinho straight away. But after that, they sort of calmed down a little bit and they brought in, you know, pretty high quality players. But, you know, players that were of the time and after a few years, they sort of moved on and City got to a, a new, the next level and started building from there. So I think I think it's been done in a good way. Um, definitely not sort of um, just splashing the cash willy-nilly and and making it unsustainable and putting yourselves at risk but um yeah I think I think it's been a I'd be confident if I was a Newcastle fan that this the the new ownership kind of know what they're doing and that maybe in the summer you'll having now sort of secured Premier League status for next season they'll look to maybe you know bring in players that can take you a step further you know maybe pushing for those Conference League and or Europa League places and yeah I think it's it is looking bright for Newcastle. Yes, we certainly hope so, and, and, and looking forward to an exciting summer of transfer speculation as well. And uh, it's funny, actually, we just put a big story on Chronicle Live today about Newcastle's training ground plans that have have, have been revealed as the, as the club take inspiration from clubs like Man City and and uh, Chelsea. So hopefully Newcastle will be in that bracket 
at some stage. Um, so, Alex, just to wrap it up then, this is going to be Newcastle's 17th Premier League visit to the Etihad. They've lost all but two of them, uh, and those two ended in draws. The only win came in a League Cup tie. Newcastle have lost 12 games in a row at the Etihad. The last point there was a nil-nil back in November 2006. So with all that in mind, what's your score prediction? Uh, yeah, it's it's not a great omen, is it, for, for Newcastle? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pretty confident City are going to bounce back um, from the from the Champions League exit. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we've, there's been some thumping wins, I guess, for City in recent years in in this fixture, but I think it'll be tighter than that. Uh, perhaps just because you know the physical exertions and the emotional sort of state of City, but also because Newcastle are, are in a good good run of form, really much better team than they were early in the season. So maybe maybe three one City. I'll go. For, I'll go with three one City. It's a really hard one to predict, isn't it? Because who knows what frame of mind Man City City's players are um, mentally and physically? Uh, is it the wounded animal? You know who 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 come out and, and blow Newcastle away, or do they really feel the pressure now? Has it been ratcheted up by by yeah. losing the, the Champions League? Um, and there's there's huge pressure on this game because if Man City finish this season trophyless, that's that's a really that's a really bad campaign, isn't it? Yeah, um, I guess you can't really sort of argue that it wouldn't be a disappointment. I think it will be pretty strange because you could probably make the argument that this season City have, have played the best football of, of the Guardiola era. Um, so then to end the season without any silverware would be pretty disappointing. Um, I think, I don't know if you'd... I mean, yeah, From a, obviously football is about winning and a club like City has to win trophies, so it'd be a failure in that sense. But I think that the standard of football that they've played and how they've sort of gone about themselves and, you know, after all the the, the, the talk of, oh, they need a striker and they're, they're going to struggle to score or to even win games without one, I think they've proved all of, all of those critics wrong. But yeah, it would be pretty disappointing. Um, it'd be the first time since Guardiola's first season in charge, actually, that that they would not win a trophy. Uh, but yeah, I'm hoping it doesn't come to that. Uh, so yeah, I'm afraid uh, even, if, well, yeah, it means that City are going to have to probably beat Newcastle on Sunday. So not good for, not good yeah. for you, you and your listeners, but um, I'm hoping that's the case because it, it will be a pretty major disappointment to finish the, um, finish the season without the league title. Pep's quite a hard guy to read. If Man City were to come away trophyless this season, do you think he'd do anything irrational and maybe step away from City after all these years? I don't think so. Um, I don't. I don't think he'll he'll step away at all. I have seen a few people on on Twitter and elsewhere online suggesting that you know he won't be able to handle the disappointment or that he's just gonna he's just gonna throw in the towel. But I I think everything is set up there at City for him to succeed and for City to succeed. And you know if they don't if they don't win a trophy this season, it's it's just going to come down to ex- sort of extremely fine margins. You know, if they end up not winning the Premier League, it's because Liverpool have gone on this in- incredible run over the last four months or so. Um, if they don't, well, obviously the, they're out of the Champions League from extremely fine margins. Uh, and obviously, yeah, I, I don't think he'll do something like just walk out or anything because there isn't anywhere else he could go where he's got the same quality of players, the same backing from the club. Everyone's kind of on the same wavelength, um, and I think, I think to be honest, if if it happens and we don't win the league this season, I think he'll just be as 
raring to go as ever sort of come the start of pre-season to you know fresh slate go go sort of powerful ever in the champions league in the league and the cup and the, the carabao cup as well i don't think that'll change um and then i mean he's got a year left on his current contract as it is and yeah so he's I guess in that sense he can't actually just leave. So, uh, um, but yeah, I don't think that would really cross his mind. Even say if his contract was due to end in a few weeks or something, I think he'd probably want to stay. So, um, I don't think there's much chance of that. Interesting, interesting. I think I wonder if Newcastle fans are looking forward to this game more than than City fans. Newcastle could mathematically be safe by the time kickoff comes around on Sunday. It's a free hit, basically safe already. And it's nice to sort of see the distance between clubs like Liverpool and Manchester City with a view to, to getting in, in the mix there. So do you, do you feel that? Are you, are you kind of apprehensive and, and Newcastle fans maybe just looking, looking forward to maybe coming in and, and being the talk of, of the Premier League this weekend? Yeah, I guess I'm a bit, as I said, I'm, I'm, I think I'm confident that City will sort of get the three points in the end. But I guess it's, it's only natural to have a bit of apprehension after what happened in the week. Uh, and then, as I said, just the fact that Newcastle have been playing well in the last few months. Um, but yeah, I think it, it will be an interesting one, just, I guess, from a Newcastle perspective, just to sort of, you know, maybe uh, sort of see, you know, as a kind of a comparison, how the sort of re- rebuild and how the project's going. And obviously, you, you've lost to Chelsea and Liverpool in recent months, but I think it was 1-0 both times, wasn't it? So it's, you know, you, Newcastle have sort of acquitted themselves really well in those games. Um so yeah, it should be interesting from both sides. Probably, yeah, I probably agree. Maybe Newcastle fans are looking forward to it uh, a bit more, a free hit, whereas everything is riding on this for City potentially. Um, and it's the next four games are going to be pretty horrible, <laughs> especially if, you, if <laughs> Liverpool keep uh, keep winning. And and, the, and I think the pressure is going to be on for City fans more than the City players in the sense that the next few games Liverpool play before City. So going into each game, Liverpool could be two points ahead, which I'm not sure how much that will actually affect the players. But I think it is a big thing for supporters. It you know it racks racks the nerves a bit, doesn't it? Ramps up the tension a bit, knowing that you have to win, uh, otherwise you're going to be behind. So um, yeah, it'd probably be a less stressful watch for Newcastle fans. But um, I'm still confident that City will get the job done. Great stuff. Yeah, here's to an exciting running. And uh, fun for Newcastle fans to, to be a small part of that. Alex, thanks so much for doing this today. Um, this has been a, a really great Man City opposition view um, with myself, Matt Keschel and Alex Brullerton. Uh, listeners, please stay subscribed to the Everything is Black and White podcast via whichever podcast platform you're listening to us on and hit the notification bell so you get all our podcasts as soon as they land. And follow us on social media. We're at Chronicle NUFC on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. And remember, stay up to date with everything black and white by subscribing to our daily Newcastle United newsletters. These are completely free. So I'll put a link to these in the show notes. If you tap that and select Sport Newcastle United Updates, enter your email address. You'll be signed up to receive all the best Newcastle United content from Chronicle Live every single day. And last one from me, we're asking fans to share their moments of the season this week. There's been plenty to choose from, of course. My pick was Leeds away in January, and the other writers and editors on the sport desk have had theirs, their say. I'll put a link to that article in the show notes. Have a read. Tell us what your favourite moment's been in the comments. Um, so, yeah, that's it from me and Alex. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you all on the Everything is Black and White podcast very soon.